The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, with your host, Dr. Rob Moyer. Find out what others are doing and what you can do to create a greener and blue planet Earth. Now, here's Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, welcome. Today, we're talking about a zero-waste system for the British Virgin Islands, where everything is reclaimed, reused, recycled, and not, no waste at all. And uh, it's an ambitious goal. And my guest today is Charlotte McDevitt, who's the executive director of Green VI. Hello, Charlotte. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? Very good. So where are you calling us from? So I'm calling from the British Virgin Islands, from a little island called Virgin Gorda. Yes, I've been there. It's a pretty island. It's got wonderful rocks it's on the beautiful. shore there. It's walk around. Yeah. It is, yes, yes. And uh, it really is like on the postcards with the pristine beaches, and it is, it's a beautiful place. And then you've got Drake's Passage and wonderful sailing conditions for sailboats. It's one of the best sailing destinations in the world, I believe. I think so. It's a license, yeah. plate. license plate say there, it's nature's little secret. That's right. <laughs> and I think today we're going to be discussing some of the dirty ones. Oh, yeah, right. You've got a few secrets to share that are things that aren't usually talked about. And, um, you know, you and I met back in 2011. I was in the British Virgin Islands at the invitation of uh, locals who were upset that the government was, had invited a, uh, the biggest developers in the world to come in and build a five-star hotel a mega yacht marina on top of their fishery protected areas and a five star and a golf course and all this development stuff. And, uh, it fell upon the locals to sue the government. And of course they didn't, you know, they didn't have a lot of resources and they were asked, called upon to bring barristers in from London and uh, they didn't have resources for that. So, uh, they went to their neighbors and, uh, you know, to U.S. Virgin Islands, and the group they talked to there said, oh, well, this is not climate change, and they, they went all the way up the coast of, Mass- of the United States, you know, Washington, Florida, New York, and finally, I'm going to the post office in Harvard Square, and there's someone I know from BVI saying, Rob, we need help, and so I said, come on up to the Ocean River Institute's office, and we're up here on the third floor, and going up the second flight of stairs, I have, I have framed pictures of the marine life of the U.S. Virgin Islands. And at the top of the stairs inside the office is a picture of a whistling duck. Uh, so it's like, this is the right place to come. And so the Ocean River Institute, we gathered um, uh, thousands of signatures 
calling on people, calling on the government, you know, not to build this, but to appreciate the wildlife that you had there, the wading birds and the mm-hmm. salt ponds and so forth. And, um, and, and, uh, and we raised some money to bring the barristers in, and they went to court, and they won. So uh, it was a they great won. victory. Yes. Yeah. That was a there is no victory, and that was such an important, that was a milestone, really. Yeah. Yes. Winning that case. Yes. Yeah, it's really turned the tide because there was, you know, a lot of emphasis on just cutting up, cutting down the mangroves and the trees that separate the road from the water's edge, you know, and, and you know, to maximize tourism and at, at the expense of your island, basically. So it was important well, to turn also, that it tide. Also, it would have been, meant building a marina right on top of that fisheries area. Would, yes. And what's the percentage of fish that are spawned in that area? I can't remember, but it's a huge amount. I mean, it's yeah, one it's of like the main fishery areas, the breeding grounds, fish. yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, what I think is great, Rob, is, you know, how it all becomes global at one point. Like a, a non-profit in the U.S. is helping a small non-profit, well, a group in the community here in the British Virgin Islands. And, you know, um, Ocean River Institute has continued to do that because you've helped Green BI as well as a nonprofit in the British Virgin Islands. And, you know, yes, and, and that's what we're going to talk about. But before we go there, I, I just want to say oh. what's distinctive about the Ocean River Institute is that we mm-hmm. write out to people and we ask them not only to sign their name, but to write a comment of why they care, in this case, about the British Virgin Islands. And then mm-hmm. we make sure they sound good and we organize them by state and district so we came down to BVI with seven four-inch notebooks of thousands of comments. Uh, and, you know, we gave the notebooks to the different ministers, and I took one of the notebooks and set it in the town library right there in Road Town so that the islanders could see that people around the world, not just the U.S., but the U.K. and, and many other places, you know, really care about this, these little islands in the middle of, on the, you know, north east corner of the Caribbean there. Uh, yeah. And so I had the good fortune of meeting you. Um, I was, you know, I was alarmed that um, anything on that island, any trash just goes to the incinerator because there's nothing else you can do. And we have a history, us yachters and boaters, of just handing you guys the trash bag and thinking, oh, we're being so good not to pollute the ocean. <laughs> but then you guys are left holding the trash, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there are no land landfills in that, you know, really hard rock bottom that you guys have there. It's just, you know, the only option you have is, is to burn it. And I can remember sailing the waters between St. John's and, and um, Tortola, and you could smell those styrofoam cups and the plastics that were being put up in the incinerator. So, if, mm-hmm. you know, but their hands are tied, and, and I thought there was nothing that could be done, and I visited the dump, and, and, and I was in I was impressed to see that they had separated out the glass, so it was just turning into a mountain of glass because you know, they couldn't afford to, to just ship it off and stuff. Um, and, and then I learned that, that you had been doing quite a bit of research about this all along, and, um, and you showed me your, um, what was it, a demonstration? The, uh, you, know, you had a, a demonstration project that was mm-hmm. really interesting. And so, yeah, so um, I did my, uh, my research on um, waste management in the BBI, uh, you know, just mm-hmm. looking at it, because a lot of what you're saying is true, you know, on these small islands that are too far away from recycling markets, 
you know, we don't have the, um, it's not viable to ship recyclables anywhere. Um, and so what happens is you've just got this accumulation of waste and the island's overwhelmed with it, you know, just with the increase of tourism and, you know, people buying more and throwing more away. It's really become overwhelmed with these waste streams. So it was fascinating to, because I, I, you know, I understood waste management in a city with millions of people where you've got the recycling markets and things. But I didn't understand it on an island setting. So, you know, so I did my master's thesis just looking at the BVI specifically and, you know, looking at what is possible and what could be done. And then, um, you know, once I finished the research, my question was, well, what am I going to do? You know, what, what can I do? And so we set up, I set up a nonprofit called Green BI and we set up a little demonstration project because the main... I, the main concept in my research was, and this really follows what's happening internationally and sort of best practice around the world in terms of waste management, is that it's actually not being defined as waste anymore. It's, waste is now defined as a resource. So, you know, it's been called resource management plans. It's been called material management plans. And once you define it as, some, as a resource, you start treating it differently, then it doesn't become waste anymore. It becomes a resource and you start managing it. And if you split the waste stream up and you look at, the diff- at what's in your waste stream and you define it as resources, then you've got this wealth of resources to work with as opposed to a waste problem that just has to be burnt or incinerated or put into a landfill. Because um, that's one of the main things on an island is we just don't have landfill space. The islands are too small for that. So even though... Each of the main islands has a landfill, well, it's a dump site right now. Um, the life expectancy isn't very long on these, and there is, no, there is no other site where this stuff can go. So really, I suppose the opportunity in this is that it says that we have to come up with, with a solution, and we've got to come up with one quickly. And so um, our little studio was a demonstration of this concept where waste becomes a resource. So... We took old bottles from the bars and restaurants across the road. We would melt them in our furnace. We um, used, used vegetable oil, which was just burnt at the incinerator as well, and we made that into a biofuel, and we were using about three gallons an hour, so we really went through a lot of it. Um, we were using textile waste uh, for our packaging where we had um, an 86-year-old lady and, a, um, and someone from the prison making our bags for us. So we were employing people and bringing them into, you know, into being productive citizens. Um, so, so we started using, so in summary, we were using glass, used vegetable oil, textile waste. We were using packaging waste as well, the cardboard boxes and the, uh, you know, the packaging pellets and the bubble wrap, things like that. We would reuse that. And... Um, all just to show that instead of it being waste, it can become a resource. And we made the most beautiful glass items, recycled glass items, that we would sell as a fundraiser for our nonprofit. Um, and that was just sort of the beginning step to sort of educate people that this isn't waste. It's really useful stuff if you just see it that way. That's so important because being on an island, you end, everything is expensive because it all has to be brought in from elsewhere on, you know, so to not have to import as much is a huge savings as well. Yeah. 
and also to have a local product because not that much is made here. So it's really no. nice to have something that's made here and, you know, it takes away a problem on one side and creates a product on another. And employment. That's wonderful. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. Uh, that's, so, so that demonstration project is just, just to show that concept, waste can become a resource. And just getting people's imaginations going. Like, if you can do that with these waste streams, what else can happen? Yeah. Well, that's been the fun thing is that we part, the Ocean River Institute partnered with Green VI, and we could tell your story all across the world on our website. And uh, you and I did a radio show a few years back, and, um, you know, just get the word out. And, and people are looking for ways, and you are finding very local solutions uh, that aren't on the large scale. And that's, where a lot of people are operating at the top, you know, the size of their own community, which is like the size of Tortola or something. And um, so it was, it was an honor to be able to partner with you. Well, from our side, we're really grateful, just like the assistance that you gave the Beef Island case many years ago, 2011. Because, um, you know, I mean, your mission to for a greener and bluer planet Earth, you know, and um, to, to make a difference because we're all in this together. So, you know, yeah. just from Green VI, we'd just like to be able to thank you as well for helping get that message out and then, you know, helping garner support for all these issues that really are more felt on an island setting just because of our location. So thank you, Rob. Well, you're very welcome. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit in America and by partnering with Green VI, we were able to we're able to receive grants from uh, private foundations, community foundations, uh, in support of the work of Green VI. They make those gifts to um, Payable the Ocean River Institute. And then just yesterday, um, I had the privilege of wiring you nine thousand dollars from funds raised in America in support of your work. So if people That's want to right. support Green VI, they can give directly to BVI, and I, I urge you to do that if you happen to be in BVI. And, you know, uh, but if you're back here in America, uh, you can designate your gift, and it's restricted to just going to Green VI, um, and that's another way of helping this work because basically the islanders there are carrying the burden of all the tourists leaving their, you know, waste on this island. And uh, so it would be good if we could help give back to, to their efforts. Of, uh, and a little bit goes a long way. Um, so tell us about the, you know, catalyzing recycling on the island there and the partnership model that you've been developing uh, across the island, those private recycling companies and others working in collaboration and stuff. Right. Well, I think, uh, you know, um, we're working on a, a recycling pilot right now for Virgin Gorda. And it, it's, I mean, the, the whole basis, the whole thing that makes it possible is that it's, it's a partnership model. It involves the private recyclers, it involves the government, and then it involves a nonprofit as well as the community. So, you know, there are all these pillars that we all need each other to make this happen. So, um, you know... So, yeah, that, that partnership model is really key. And, be, you know, I think it's one of the benefits of a small island um, is that you actually know all these people. You know who, you know, it's small enough. And so that 
provides the, where you can actually just work with each other to get it done. Because, you know, cities can be quite complex where you don't even know who the players are and it's just too big. But if we want to demonstrate a zero-waste system, it's, I, I believe these islands are key in demonstrating that concept just because of our size and how we can collaborate. Yes, you have nesting groups. So instead of going home to home, the homes get together around a school or a restaurant or, you know, you have community nodes because you're not going home. And then those communities or those groups fit into, you know, larger larger groups and, and eventually you have managed to cover the island by nesting systems. Yes. Yeah, and, and then just above that as well, with, like with government and the private businesses and the recyclers, you know, it's bringing all those people together because we all know each other, so we can all collaborate. Uh, I think that's one of the strengths as well. Absolutely. It's just a wonderful island. Uh, it's wonderful just walking through Tortola and meeting everybody. And, everybody, you know, it just, yeah, it's just, it, it's the way community should be. And, and uh, well, frankly, it's very much like Somerville here in Massachusetts where I live. But uh, bravo. Um, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to step um, through some of the processes for glass and plastics and vegetable oil and other events and stuff, and anaerobic digestion and all this stuff of how do we go from tons of waste to zero waste in the British Virgin Islands. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. On a Cape Cod shore, 16 striped bass fish and a horseshoe crab were found dead, killed by a harmful algal bloom. The town blamed excessive lawn fertilizer for polluting the water. They restricted lawn fertilizing to once a year. The state overruled, mandating five times a year. Though the striped bass died on a Falmouth shore, fertilizer pollution is a national problem, clogging our waterways. If you believe in our rights to clean water and beaches, if you want to stop the killing of fish by excessive fertilizer, please join with us. Make a donation for responsible stewardship. Acting together, we can have clean beaches and more fish. Please visit www.donateforocean.com. That is www.donate, the number four, oceans.org. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization 
dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi. We're talking about how to how an island, a small community, can achieve a zero waste system of uh, recycling, reclaiming, and not throwing anything away. Uh, and my guest is Charlotte McDavid, who's the executive director of Green VI, and she's talking to us from Virgin Gorda in the British Virgin Islands. And uh, Charlotte, you were talking about. You know, the kind of partnership, collaborative partnership of companies and people and communities and government that have come together around the different elements of recycling and, re- and eliminating the waste stream. And, and so tell us about one of the components of that is the glass. How are you tackling the glass abundance? So, so with the glass, um, we have a private recycler on Virgin Gorda called uh, Green and Clean, and what this recycler has done, she's procured um, equipment that can implode. It doesn't crush, it implodes glass. And she can do two and a half tons an hour. So really what it's doing is it's taking bottles that would either clog up the landfills or um, clog up the incinerator because um, our incinerator on Tortola can't actually handle glass. It's, it sticks to the inside of the equipment. And um, every month or so, they actually have to shut it down and chip that glass off by hand. So to get that glass yes. out of the waste stream, you know, what um, Green and Clean have is the equipment to industrialize glass recycling. You know, our studio is just a small dem- demonstration level. It's not really a way to recycle glass um, on a big scale, whereas her equipment can do that. And really, once you take it down to aggregate, um, that glass, it's, I mean, glass is essentially just silica, it's sand, and her imploder makes different sizes of aggregate, so, and there are many applications for that aggregate. So, you know, we're looking at putting it into roads um, as, as full material for reclamation projects, um, as drainage material. Um, as a decorative effect for concrete countertops and floors. I mean, there are so many applications for glass, what we consider glass waste. Once you define it as a resource, it becomes aggregate. That can be used for a whole lot of construction applications. So um, we're actually very excited about that because we're testing a few of them right now. And um, when I say we, this is the recycler. She's busy working on this. But, you know... We've been working alongside, because it really does take this partnership model to make it work. So um, we're just we're at the point now where, you know, this can happen and is happening. 
That is very exciting because one of the environmental problems in the British Virgin Islands is sediment on the land running out and smothering the coral reefs or the inshore waters. So anything you can do to build ways of preventing the, the surface from running off, you know, um, and that could be built with glass fault or this aggregate combination with cement or something, um, is, mm-hmm. is just fabulous. Yep, and for some drainage, yep. So, yeah, it's, um, there's so many applications and potentials, yeah. You know, managing storm drainage and so forth. Um, yep. Oh, so we move on to another item, which is plastics. So, again, there's a, a private recycler, and she is actually um, going to be taking... So, technology is evolving for, for recycling plastics. Um, you know, years ago, you could only really do the ones and twos, of the plastic, but now you can... Her equipment that she's getting, it can take all the plastics. And um, really what she's going to do is um, extrude it and make outdoor furniture and polywood. Mm. I'm quite excited about that application as well. Um, you know, because about, it's about uh, 15%, 14, between 13, 14, 15% is glass of the waste stream and about the same amount is plastic of our waste stream. So just by tackling those two waste streams, um, you know, using those waste streams to make products on island will take us to, you know, between a sort of 30% reduction of that waste stream, of those waste streams, and making products from it. So you just addressed about a third of the waste stream, you're saying? Yes. That's fantastic. And then we... So then we have the, the um, vegetable oil and greases. So the used vegetable oil, so this would just be, you know, restaurants when they buy things, they would just leave their oil at the side of the skips and then it would be taken to the incinerator uh, where there's an oil burner. But, you know, with our studio, our glass studio, we started using that as a biofuel. And, um, and the whole idea was just to demonstrate that this isn't waste, this is a resource that can be used to create energy. And so, um, so there are a few companies now, a few private companies, including a collection, uh, a garbage collection uh, company, who are looking at using that biofuel to fuel their diesel trucks. Mm. So where's the vegetable oil coming from? Is it mostly fish and chips, or where do you get well, so much vegetable oil on the island? It's really just all the restaurants. And remember, it's a big tourist industry here. So all the restaurants, most of them are, have... Um, you know, oil to make their fries and their fish and, you know, their conch fritters or whatever it is. So uh, there's a lot of waste oil generated just from the restaurants, really. Yeah. Yeah, who'd know it? Mm -hmm. But sure enough, it adds up. It it certainly adds up. It really does. And, you know, if it doesn't uh, get managed well, Rob, you know the implications of, of, of used vegetable oil in drains and in the sea. Because that's yeah. what some people would do, just throw it down the drain as a way of managing it. Yeah, and then it clogs everything up and, and it, um, it clogs up the animals as well. It's <laughs> like, yuck. And it does. What a mess. We hear about oil spills, but we forget that it could just as well, as well be a vegetable oil spill. It would seal the surface layer of the water and make it impossible for much to live below it and stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, so this is really good that you're... Um, you're managing glass and plastics and vegetable oils. And um, 
And then you've relocated the glass studio, the one I visited on Tortola. You've moved it out to um, Virgin Gorda? So we're still in the process of doing that. Um, our yeah. studio used to be uh, in King Garden Bay on Tortola, but then we really outgrew that space. We needed more space. But also the move allows us to do our next um, stage, which I'm ridiculously excited about because if we can demonstrate this, I think it'll be a game changer um, because we want to take um, sewage, we want to take food waste, and we want to take sargassum, and we want to digest them all anaerobically and steal the other piece of our studio equipment off of the methane that the bacteria would release in the in vessel digester and use that methane. So again, we'll be taking really problematic waste streams, you know, um, that, you know, I mean, food waste, if it isn't managed well, besides the smell, you've got all your vector problems, you know, you've got flies, you've got rats, all sorts of, you know, problems there. Um, sewage, again, you know the impact that raw sewage has on, on the reefs and on our sea system. And on our health, you know. Yeah. So, but if you, so instead of treating those as problems and treating them as something useful, you know, anaerobic digestion is one way to do that, where you're taking these problems and you're turning them into something rich. So the output from an anaerobic digester would be uh, energy as well as uh, compost. Or, you know, something... Oh, you have natural gas to burn in the studio. I'm sorry, what was that, Rob? I didn't hear you that. You would have natural gas to burn in the studio. You'd have methane gas to burn in the glass studio. Yeah. So Much more efficient than burning cooking oil. Yeah, so our one piece of equipment will still run off the used vegetable oil, and then the other, yeah. our furnace, would off the methane generated from those waste streams, you know, the, the sewage, the food waste, and the sargassum. So we're busy um, really raising funds right now to relocate our studio and to build an anaerobic digester lab. And, you know, we'll, we'll test those waste streams first, look at the energy content in them, look at how, you know, with the, um, uh, with the sargassum, there's salt in it. So, you know, looking at saline-resistant bacteria. We still got tests to do and we still need to look at volumes and things. But I'm very excited to demonstrate that because, uh, you know, almost, uh, almost 30% of the waste stream is organic in nature. So whether that's food waste, or, uh, that's in the BBI. So whether that's food waste or whether that's uh, garden waste, um, you know, the organics is the largest fraction that we need to deal with. And um, then this is just a great way to do it. And, you know, yeah. it, it starts going into as well. That is excellent. That's really exciting. And so I've been looking, if you can visit our website, oceanriver.org, uh, but I urge you to go to um, Charlotte's website. Charlotte, what's your website address? So it's greenvi.org. Yeah, so go to greenvi.org and you can see uh, diagrams of all this different equipment and visions that they are creating. And uh, now tell us about the biggest vision of all that you're working toward. So the big vision this, uh, really is, again, through that partnership model, is this eco-industrial park. So we actually want to take the dump sites on Virgin Gorda 
and transform it into a place that becomes a hive of activity. So instead of just dumping the waste, you have all these businesses and the recyclers move up there and they start managing their waste streams and then other people come on board and start doing exactly the same until you actually get as close as we can to that zero waste vision where no more waste is being dumped. Um, it, it's all being used as a resource by different companies um, and entities to create um, products and create services. It's a marvelous vision, vision because you are clustering all those different productive waste stream reducing companies and ventures, you know, on one in one compound or one area, uh, so that yeah. you know, yeah, it's just brilliant, and and that way. Um, they might be able to benefit from each other's um, excess material or something. Yeah, because, I mean, that's the whole concept of an eco-industrial park. You, you share resources and, uh, you know, they can share equipment. So it's not um, each, each recycler needing their own, you know, earth-moving equipment or anything. They can share those resources. So it just becomes more cost-effective as well. And then, you know, it could become, well, what we really envision it becoming is a sort of tourist attraction. So then it brings in some of the education as well and the awareness. And, you know, we're hoping to get to the point where we can invite other islands to come and see what is possible um, so that the concept can spread. It's a very exciting concept because it's at the small scale. Here in America, the big cities have fabulous sewage treatment plants, for example, but they can afford that because they have big cities. And the small community, smaller communities or small cities, you know, just don't have the resources to, to treat stuff unless they do what you're talking about is you collaborate with adjoining prop, uh, communities and, uh, and pull it together. So this is very exciting. Um, we're going to take another short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about, okay, there's the vision. Now how do we get there from here? Uh, through legislation and policy tools and education and a lot of the programming that Green BI is doing. So stay tuned. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization 
dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. On a Cape Cod shore, 16 striped bass fish and a horseshoe crab were found dead, killed by a harmful algal bloom. The town blamed excessive lawn fertilizer for polluting the water. They restricted lawn fertilizing to once a year. The state overruled, mandating five times a year. Though the striped bass died on a Falmouth shore, fertilizer pollution is a national problem, clogging our waterways. If you believe in our rights to clean water and beaches, if you want to stop the killing of fish by excessive fertilizer, please join with us. Make a donation for responsible stewardship. Acting together, we can have clean beaches and more fish. Please visit www.donateforocean.com. That is www.donate, the number four, oceans.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, we're talking with Charlotte McDevitt. Executive Director of Green VI, and you can read about her work at greenvi.org, and uh, you can also read about it at theoceanriver.org. Uh, if you hit on the part- Partners button, you'll see that Green VI is one of our partners as well, and then you can link through to her programs as well. Um, Charlotte, uh, so we've got this great vision, and you, you stepped us through recycling you know, a third of the glass and, and oils and um, plastics, and then more than a third is organics like, um, you know, waste and, and compost and stuff. And, and so it's a great vision, and I love the way you're clustering everything together so they can benefit from each other. Uh, but how do we get there from here? I mean, we, I mean, you've got these great entrepreneurs and community groups, so you need some top-down, you know, high-level legislative and policy tools, right, to apply to this process? Well, so we've been working on this for years, Rob, and, you know, the recyclers, <laughs> they've been doing their thing, and waste management have been doing their thing. And really, for us as a nonprofit, um, you know, we've been doing a lot of work as well. So this is really years of collaboration that's brought us to this point. And so mm. now we're ready to, to move to the next phase where, you know, we, we aim to reduce the waste stream by 30 to 35% in the next year, um, you know, just managing these waste streams, the glass, um, plastic, used vegetable oil, um, and, um, and aluminium as well. That's the other waste stream we're looking at right now. Um, but at the same time, you know, to sustain this, we're looking at more high-level policies as well and just tools that are being used around the world to to just make it affordable, you know, because, um, you know, so we're looking at implementing a green fee. Uh, we're also looking at a bottle bill. 
Um, a few years ago, uh, Green VI worked with another nonprofit, World House Caribbean, and we um, we worked with all the super again because we're small. You know, we worked with all the major supermarkets, and we implemented a voluntary bag ban, and uh, and that was just an agreement that we signed with them, an MOU for one year. Um, you know, just to charge people for bags if they didn't bring their own. And it was just amazing to see people start bringing their own bags. And, you know, even though we did that years ago, the big supermarkets have continued with that. But the the, the time really has come is to bring that sort of those tools into legislation and make it policy here in the BVI. And so, you know, we'll be working on that. Um, But it's also the, the key to making the whole thing sustainable in the long term. What did you mean by a green fee? So a green fee would just be, so it's, uh, you know, places, many cities apply this fee. So the green fee is really where industry and commerce support household recycling or support recycling. So they pay a fee because it's it's based on the whole polluted pays principle. And Mm. they contribute an annual fee that goes towards, uh, you know, the collection and the shipping and just the, you know, getting the recyclables to where they need to be. Just things that are often hard to fund. Um, and, you know, it's just them sort of say, acknowledging that we're responsible for this and this is going to be our contribution to make this whole system work. Well, that's wonderful. And so you must do a lot of education, uh, awareness, and outreach, you know, around this. Well, we, we've been working, we've been doing the education and outreach now for the past seven years. And, you know, our focus areas are sort of uh, waste, water, energy. Those are the theme areas that we work on. And in terms of um, education and awareness, you know, we do a lot of, public, you know, public relations, uh, you know, just outreach um, to communities, you know, articles in magazines, radio interviews, TV interviews just telling people about sustainability, some of the main issues on the island, what they can do is always an important component. Um, yes. You know, we, we... Sorry? Yes, go ahead. Yes. So we, we also we help organizers green events, for example, as well. And what we do there is bring in the sort of waste hierarchy of reduce, reuse, recycle. So, for example, one of the um, events that we work with is the Spring Regatta for the BBI. And they've actually been awarded gold certification from Sailors from the Sea for the past few years because of their green efforts in event management. So, and, you know, to give you one example of one of the things that they do that I've, I think is amazing is they don't, they don't buy any plastic bottles for sale at the bar. Um, they, we've reduced that waste stream entirely. So what they do instead is, you know, you buy your reusable uh, water bottle at the beginning of the weekend that's got, you know, the Spring Regatta logo on it. It's filled with water, and once it's empty, there are water stations around the event for the weekend that's got poles, fresh water in it, and you just refill your reusable container. So that ends up, uh, that has a major impact on the, the end of the system at the incinerator, where we're just not seeing those plastic bottles anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then we also, you know, we've also got lots of educational tools that we use, like with schools, we go on field trips. My favorite is the, the waste field trip because we take um, the children to the recycler site so that they can see, you know, where the recyclables are going. We take them to the incinerator on Tortola so they can see what happens to their waste uh, right now. 
And then we'd also take them to our studio to see that concept of waste becoming a resource. So what can happen with waste if you manage it? Um, and so that, you know, we do, um, we also do uh, our charity event where we get, we invite people to make chairs out of things that are thrown away. And, uh, you know, we've been doing this for a few years now with uh, an organization called Nutmeg Designs. And uh, it's just really fun. You know, people make it, like my favorite has been a surfboard chair. And um, <laughs> it's very functional. It's a great chair. But it's just that concept, again, of waste becoming a resource. Yeah, I recommend you visit the website, um, oceanriver.org, and also Green VI, because we've each got photographs of some of the furniture of the charity event with an emphasis on chair that these creative people on the islands have done. They're just remarkable. Um, and so um, I'm not sure when our next one is, but we'll keep updating it online and... Um, you know, because so, that's for anyone to participate in, you know, whether you're visiting or whether you live here. Yes, exactly, and it's wonderful. I've been to an event a few years ago where you had a road race. Um, that was fun, but uh, it's really fun to just to look at the artwork and stuff that the charity event brings in and stuff. Um, you, you must um, involve a lot of volunteers in, in your outreach programs and stuff. Uh, you know, we work with the youth a lot, and, um, you know, right now we're planning some work with the road tractors, um, and, you know, I think we've mentioned this before, but we're all in this together, and we all, we're all part of the solution. So, you know, just collaborating to make it happen, I think, is the key to, to any success. Yes, it's just wonderful. What's the Trash to Treasure program? So the Trash to Treasure, now, you know, that may sound like a... We get um, some artists who actually make things out of trash as a small business, and we get them to go to the schools and do Trash to Treasure workshops with the kids. So we find, um, we find well, we collect different waste streams, and then the Trash to Treasure people go into the school, and they work with the children to make things. And the idea is... Um, so that children start being trained as entrepreneurs in this concept of waste as a resource. So instead of throwing this away, what can, I, what can this become? And how could I potentially make a business or a profit from this? So one of the schools actually on Virgin Gorda, um, a school called Valley Day, they make um, shopping bags out of old magazines and they sell it to two stores on Tortola who use that as their packaging material. And then they also take um, old magazines and books and uh, cover them in textile waste, uh, in, in old textiles, and make iPad covers and things like that. And it's just a great way to start getting kids to think in this entrepreneur thinking of, you know, I can create my own business and I can use what's around me to make something useful. That is so great that you can apply yourself and see results and it's something that you can you know, sell or give to somebody else. That's remarkable. Well, that's um, the whole idea. And what's nice in the BBI is that we have these entrepreneur programs that we can link children into once they're ready to take it to the next step. So, you know, we're, we're quite fortunate where we are. So you've seen um, quite a bit of improvement since 2009 in the waste and... Yes, in the waste, like I said, there's been a team, a dedicated team who's been working for years, and a 
I think we're really at the point now where we can make a, a big difference. And um, so I'm very excited about the progress that's been made in terms of waste management. And again, this is also coming from government. You know, they've um, adopted a strategy for an 80% diversion in five years, which is really progressive. And just bringing it all together, is what's happening in the waste field is exciting. Um, in the energy sector, uh, when I met you, Rob, um, yes. it was still illegal yes. in the BVI to use renewable energy. So you weren't allowed to use solar or wind power. Um, and now, so, you know, one of uh, the work that our nonprofit did, we, we, did, uh, we had a petition, and uh, an online petition and hard copy, where we petitioned government and said, you have to start allowing this. And we handed over some recommendations to change the legislation on how to do it and what to do. And uh, so I'm pleased to say that last year that legislation did change and renewables are now committed. And I'm very excited that two weeks ago we received word that we secured the funding to do the BVI's first grid tie pilot. And it's actually it's at a youth empowerment center and we're going to use solar panels on the roof and it'll be the first time that uh, we can feed the energy back into the grid. And the aim of that really is to make renewables affordable for the man on the street. It's just a tool, you know, for the rebate system. So we're very excited about that. Oh, that's wonderful. And you're engaging the youth right in the middle of it all. That's fabulous. And, and how about water and, government. and sewage? And with government, because governments are key in this as well. So they partner oh, yeah. with us on our project. Yeah. Oh, they're really the drivers um, on that in, yeah, it's, 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 it's a shared thing. Um, and then in water, what I'm excited about with water, because really, for me, um, the resource that's going into our water is sewage, that, and it doesn't belong in the sea, but we, we know what to do with it on the land. And so I think once we start testing this anaerobic digestion, um, we'll be following that same, where waste will be becoming a resource. So I'm really excited about the anaerobic digestion. So I'll, I'll need a bit more time to work on that, but I'll certainly, it would be great to get back together with you in a few years' time and just update you on the progress that we've ma- managed to make with sewage and, uh, and, and sargassum, possibly, hopefully. Right. Now, sargassum is the weed from the middle of the ocean that is washing up on your shores, and so it, it becomes kind of yeah. a nuisance, and so you, you want to find a way to move it into, it becomes a waste, I guess. It does. So what's happening is there are these blooms of sargassum. And so, you know, it's, it's happened over the, you know, we've, there's always been sargassum, but never in this quantity before. And also the frequency is increasing. So what we've had at times are the beaches, the pristine white sand beaches, filled with the seaweed. And as it begins to rot, it really smells. It's, it's bad. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if, you know, one of our main products in the BVI is a tourist product. And for our beaches to be filled with this really, I mean, the stench is, is strong. Um, so, you know, it's a problem around the Caribbean right now. Um, you know, all the islands are struggling with it and having to find a way to manage this. So, I, I've, it's a, you know, That's very interesting. For, yeah. So to do the test it's, through anaerobic digestion and to see what's possible there is what we'd like to do. In fact, we've worked with some others again, collaborating. Uh, there's an organization in the UK called Sensible Process Innovation, and we've worked with um, 
some private entities here as well on a, on a, on a bid for some UK funding to do a, an 18-month feasibility study to look at the waste stream and to look at sewage and to look at sargassum specifically, to look at the energy value in these waste streams and to look at their suitability for anaerobic digestion. And the data from that research would just, that would guide the way forward on, on really the, the processes that we would need to manage these waste streams. So I'm very excited about that. I, I hope that funding gets awarded. Yes, I'm sure the whole Caribbean is looking to you for how to manage rotting weeds on the shore. We used to have a problem with that in Lynn, Massachusetts as well. And in your case, I, I think it may be related to global warming and warming waters uh, so algae can grow faster. But the ocean is so complicated that we'll never really be able to tease it out to specific things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the overall, it's just astounding what you are doing with such limited resources. It's just tenacity and perseverance and creative thinking and just making much to do with waste, basically. Uh, it's just remarkable. And, um, you know, I hope that the listeners will um, think about supporting uh, the, the work that you're doing and that the Green VI is doing and that the Islanders are doing as a community. And uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if those of us who come as tourists, you know, could help with um, the Islanders in, in treating what we leave as our waste and stuff. So please, please, you know, think about making a donation. Uh, you can just go to oceanriver.org and you can put on a comment for Green VI or for BVI or for Charlotte's programs or something um, because uh, it's just phenomenal what, what you guys are doing, um, you know, helping with all the little things and stuff. Well, thanks for that, Rob. It's nice to uh, get that feedback because, you know, when you're in the middle of it, you sometimes don't look up to see where, how far you come. You just got to see, <laughs> I just see all the things that we still have to do. And uh, so it's nice to get that feedback. And um, to all your listeners, um, you know, please do look at our website, um, greenbi.org, and look at, see our work, and it would be great for you to support us and to come visit us here in the beautiful islands one day. Um, so, yes. Yeah, it's really important because people come to Tortola, and then they say, well, there's, there's abandoned automobiles on the side of the road, you know, and they're so used to wealthy communities that can clean that stuff up. And um, they, they need our help to stay on top of, you know, of waste management. So it's, it's really, instead of just saying, oh, they don't clean up, they don't care about their yard because they leave stuff, it's like, no, they, they need our help to, to, to care. They do care about their yards and stuff. So, so please, please, oceanriver.org. And um, it, it's just been remarkable um, about the paradigm shift that you and your kids and all the people working coordinating with you have brought about there. Well, it's still work in progress, you know. Oh, totally. I was to say it was all done, and, but it's still work in progress. Um, but I think I, I'm really excited about the next phases, and uh, I think we're going to do it. Yeah, I mean, that's been the challenge is to get people to buy into your vision, to see that it doesn't have to be... We don't have to just be breathing stuff out of the incinerator. That there are ways to turn waste into resource. I mean, that is a huge paradigm shift to, to uh, call on people to envision resource and waste. And yeah. clearly, you've made huge strides in that direction. 
Well, thank you. It's, um, it's a very exciting field. I have to just say it's, it's so exciting. And it also it just brings out this creative spirit in people that I just love seeing. And, yes. you know, we're, we're, like there's a woman on island here who takes old sails and makes the most amazing bags from them. This is um, Annie from Nutmeg Designs who helps us with our charity event. It's just amazing how she can see the value in things other people throw away. And just that creative input is also very exciting. Thank you, Charlotte, for taking all this time to tell us about greenvi.org. Uh, thank you. Well, thank you, Rob, and thanks for hearing our story and for spreading the word. Yes, and if you like this podcast, you can, um, you can get a, a connection to it at you know, please forward this podcast to other people so that more people can learn about an island community turning waste into resource and being more self-sufficient because of that. And for all of you listening, thanks a lot for listening to this episode of uh, Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Until next time, please take care of yourselves, and then let's take care of this planet. Thanks for listening. Thanks again for joining us this week on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Please tune in for more with Dr. Rob Moyer next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again then. Yeah.